Long Come Norwich podcast. I'm Tom and I'm joined by Andy. Hello. And John. Evening. And this evening we've got Rich from the Little Yellow Bird Project. Hello. So we're going to kick off by having a quick chat about last night's game. We're speaking to you on Wednesday, the day after an historic night for Norwich City Football Club. We are now five clean sheets in a row. Who would like to kick us off, Rich? Yeah, five clean sheets in a row in the league. Yeah, Brentford spoiled that. Brentford ruined that one, but we don't count that. Although we're through to the next round. So it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Um, when we were looking up rather than down, as we were after Millwall, we were all a little bit concerned. And while we had intentions of giving it time, um, I think even the most positive of us was a little bit squeaky about it. Um, but it's been a remarkable turnaround since Millwall and the international break that followed that. Um, it smells like team spirit to me. Um, evidenced in the not just the performance um, and the never say die attitude of the defence but the huddle at the end of the game yesterday mm. was uh, I'm not trying to admit I had a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a welling up when I saw the, the guys huddled together like that so it was it was fantastic um, we that's, just we I'm just, just going to jump in that, that for me is the most positive thing is the fact that these five complete sheets have come on the back of Millwall and Villa where we were abject defensively. Mm. Uh, I think that's the thing, is that if we are going to give Fark life time, which everyone seems to want to do much more so now, is you have to accept that there are going to be bumps in the road, and it's how we learn from them and what changes after that. And we do seem to be learning. Like there's, there's going to be more games in the season where we're terrible. But there's going to be more runs in the season where we're terrible. You know, we, yeah. we, we're going to go three games without a goal, Quite regularly, it seems we're going to go several weeks without, you know, a win maybe. But it's the, it's that kind of run that you look back on, um, in those darker periods where you can say, no, he's turned it around before, and he can do it again. And maybe again, we look forward to a, an international break for him to regiment his his defensive ideas. And also, he's he's that was the obviously the glaring problem with the defence. He's shown that he can adapt his stated methods and fix that. Um, which gives you confidence that he could perhaps fix the uh, problems going forward as well. So, you know, I think he's come out of it with a lot of credit. He kept his cool. There were already dissenting voices um, about him as a coach and about the standard of players he brought in or we'd brought in. Um, and he's answered those emphatically. Well, the last three managers have all been accused of not having a plan B. Um, either being too long ho and not knowing what to do, um, you know, Neil Adams playing lovely football. Then what happens when you have two banks of four? Um, so perhaps this is finally the um, the manager that is going to be able to have plan B. I noticed a few people on Twitter last night mentioning, okay, what's he going to do for his plan C, plan D? So you're never going to please everyone, but it, it really is quite encouraging that we are able to go and shit house all over the, the championship, yeah. picking up yeah. things. Yeah. You know, absolutely fantastic. And I think the fact that we're not scoring, it's not potentially an issue to worry about when you've got Alex Pritchard to come back, you've got Nelson Oliveira to come back, you've got Murphy to come back in who, all right, he was poor um, the other game at home. Bristol but, City. Yeah, Bristol City. But actually, you know, he's got it in him to be able to provide chances to be able to chip in with a few goals. Well, just before that, he was on a really good run of form and he had a couple of really good games and then he had a couple of really poor games. And he's young and that's going to happen. Um but I think as well, and just to go back to the defence, um, everyone's kind of looked at it and gone, right, it's a solid defence. But he's had to bring in James Husband last night as well, who's played really, really well by all accounts. Um, you've got Grant Hanley to add to that as well. So The heat. The heat. And so, we have created chances. I mean, even against uh, Burton, Murphy missed a sitter and mm-hmm. threw on goal. 
there wasn't a, a game full of chances take that and we've got three points and against Bristol we had two very presentable chances that were missed mm. if not um, more yeah if not more I thought, it was, um, I thought it was odd of Farker to, to almost call call Murphy out for them you know, he mentioned you know, two chances that you, you definitely had to take you know, high percentage chances and those of us that were there we all know who he was talking about I'm not sure how helpful that is but then you, you don't seem to be able to question the team spirit you know mm. he wasn't involved but he was tweeting um, during the game about about come on lads dig in etc so and um, Farker's comments last night I thought were interesting where he said uh, if, if I have to do something to bring a young player's feet back onto the ground I'm willing to do it and, and that was directly possibly... in relation to Murphy wasn't it as well so yeah. there's something that's happened I don't know whether or not um, it well something that I, I noticed um, from from my perch in in the, the Arthur South stand on the halfway line um, there was a couple of comments um, at um, at Murphy during the Bristol City game towards the second half when he was being a little bit wasteful and clearly a couple of them landed because he did turn around and give a volley back to to okay. um, yeah to the Jarrett, which I've not seen from, from either of the Murphys before. Um, but going back to my point, I don't know whether or not, similar to what happened with, with Jacob last season, he stuck that piss baller in top corner against Blackburn and all of a sudden then just went on a fantastic run for, for two or three months. If one of those chances does go in, particularly the one where he um, made that fantastic run down the left-hand side and then kind of skied it in, across the goal instead of... If that had flown in the top corner, then all of a sudden we've got another England starlet on our hands, etc., mm. etc. And, and that, that's how quickly you feel that a player of that natural raw ability, his luck could change. And Jacob had two or three quiet games didn't he? Uh, in a row a few times last season there were a couple of times where he really looked like he needed a rest and to be taken out of the team a little while yeah and I think he was more mentally fatigued whereas actually you look at this stage of the season Josh Murphy shouldn't be mentally fatigued but talking about Murphy I think he's probably played his best football back end of last season under Alan Irvine when it was a bit more of a fluid front four so you had Nelson Oliveira up top or Jerome whoever was playing at that point but Murphy could kind of switch with him, so the striker would sit in on the wing, and Murphy would go up top, and then you'd have that different option of balls over the top. And he the is, yeah, and yeah, he's raw pace. Exactly, we're not doing front to, uh, back to front quickly, and we understand mm. why revolution, etc. Um, but what you're describing there is is out you go, lads, and run around a bit. You know the old Harry Redknapp yeah, style yeah. Of, of football. You know <laughs> that that is, um, that's that's what you saw under Alan Irvine. That's one of the reasons it was such an enjoyable last month of the season because there was there was kind of nothing on the line. But going back to what you said, Rich, about people being down in the dumps, um, I remember listening to, to Canary Call, um, and, and Greg Downs, I think it was, he was on um, with Bob Rutler, saying, look, we're not going to go up, we're not going to be in the playoffs, so you just need to write that off, forget about that, let's just see, like, we have to pick, up, pick our battles and be patient, and you know, since then, you know, we haven't conceded a goal in the league, mm. and we're looking phenomenal, it's, it's, it's crazy how things change in football. So, talking about time moving on in football, let's move on to Saturday's game, which is very fast approaching. Um, any particular thoughts on, on our chances against, I think we are the second lowest scorers in the league versus the lowest scorers in the league, so 0-0? It's going to be a good one, yeah. It's a great game for television. I know, it's the guys been rubbing their hands. <laughs> I think they're there to be beaten, but um, they'll think the same with us as well, obviously, they're at home. Um, you, it's unusual, and as we've already touched on, to go into a, any Norwich game and be confident we'll keep it tight. Um, so I don't think they're going to score a lot. Um, I don't think we will either, um, the way things are at the moment. Mm. But we only scored one last night. We only scored one at Sheffield United. It, last night was a classic away performance. More of the same, please, on Saturday and three points could be ours. I'd like to see us um, 
I'd like to see him change the, the, the way we move the ball forward. Going back to what we were saying about Murphy dying on balls, I, I would like there to be an option to, to go forward a bit quicker, just to mix things up, because when, when it is nil-nil, and when, when we're still kind of feeling our way into the game in the first half, I feel like, in my ignorance of, of, of football tactics, etc., it does feel to me like we are just a little bit too predictable. As much as, yes, I understand why we've got the ball, they haven't, just a few percentage balls earlier in the game just might tip the balance in our favour, get the home fans slightly worried, get the centre-backs turned towards their own goal, etc. Mm. They're the sorts of things that we just don't do at all under this manager. Maybe, you know, I'm 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 talking old-school football and you all don't agree with me, but do, do you not feel maybe we should mix it up just a little I bit? I think, think there's a point where you need to be flexible, and Farkas obviously recognised that in terms of the fact that we've, we've gone back to basics with our defending, whereas it was very much a, right, just keep the ball at the back as much as you can. Soak up, you know, the opposition, and and then try and hit them with you know nice balls through midfield. We're not doing that so much now. So you'll see Angus Gunn, who is still looking to play with his feet, but he will go long sometimes, especially when he's got Jerome as an option. So I think they're they're learning, and and our fluidity in terms of you know where we're going to play the ball is evolving as we go along. Um, I personally think that actually playing someone like James Madison or playing someone like Alex Pritchard when he's fit is more important because actually if you can ping the ball into those playmakers quicker they seem to play with a lot more urgency than, than perhaps our other you know midfielders that are um, you know going forward at the moment so if you can get it into a Madison he's always on the turn he's always looking for a ball quickly into feet or quickly behind a defender um, and when you've got Murphy's pace to you know to run onto that or Bilchard's pace to run onto that then it should be made for that but it's just about the players learning to play together isn't it really because it's a brand new team, you know, especially all those players that we've signed. So yeah, yeah, I think we'll get there. Sorry, Carol. There's just two, there's two different kinds of long ball as well, isn't there? There's yeah. the long ball in a Jerome's chest, which invariably at the moment is balancing off him. Mm. Or there's the long ball over the top of everyone that gets their defence turned back towards their own goal. And I, I agree that we should be possibly looking to utilise balls over the top that get the de- their defence turned more. So I think that's Watkins' game as well. Watkins seems a very mm. willing channel runner. Well, that's how the goal last night came, isn't yeah. it? it? Was husbands that was a fairly sort of predictable, lazy, if you like, English fullback ball down the line, pretty aimless. Everything we do is German now. It's not English. Yeah, <laughs> but it got them. It got them turned back towards their own goal, and it was Watkins closing that down, and that ultimately led to Madison smashing it in the top thing. Almost Jerome at Wembley esque. I like that as well. When he nicked the ball. Yeah. Cool, okay then, so we've also got Arsenal coming up as well, um, the cup run is on, um, fantastic that the, the, the tickets are at such decent price, anyone else in the room surprised that we were only going to have a 48 hour turnaround, Sunday, Tuesday? I think it's to do with the policing isn't it, because Spurs have got a, is it a Champions League game on the Wednesday and Met Police refused to, to police two big games, so I guess that's positive that we are deemed a big game for Arsenal. That's an incredible glass half full. That's what you, the main takeaway you've had. There you go, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've got a good chance in the game because of that, because Arsenal have got um, a real sort of short spell of three games in a very short space of time. Um, so they've got Red Star Belgrade on the Thursday. Then on the Sunday, they've got Everton away. Both of those are away games. Home, home to us on the Tuesday and the following uh, Saturday they're home um, against Swansea it's going to prioritise mm. it's going to be the other be game kids, isn't it? and we're coming off the back of our easiest game of the season aren't we well, well this is it we're going to have three points in a walk in the sunshine yeah, on Sunday exactly. so 
But there's any problem there? Yeah, I wonder if uh, we'll fly to Arsenal. <laughs> Bear in mind that, that we are big time. Okay, so we are now far enough through the season, you would imagine, that um, everyone would know who the best 11 is. Um, personally, though, I feel that that is actually a bit of a bone of contention, and I'm not sure Farker is 100% sure if everyone was a fit. Was a fit. Okay, bear in mind we haven't seen Pritchard yet who you're, you're putting in there. So I wondered if we could have a stab at that. Um, I'm going to throw out there that, that Gunn is probably going to get in for all of us ahead of um, McGovern and doesn't need to, to be discussed. Um, yeah, hot back five, I don't think, needs to be discussed, does it? If you have Stephen at left back, Pinto right back, closer and Zimmerman. But is it Zimmerman, I guess, long term? Well, yes. there's no reason why not from the performances right at the moment. Yeah, but based on the way that the... the I was really, really surprised to see Russ cut out of it. Um, really surprised to lose his leadership. However, um, it seems that the leadership isn't an issue within the dressing room and it still seems that he's very much involved day to day and playing a club captain's role um, and that's obviously helping the team focus on, on the results, which is great. Um, Steepman, I think, has been an absolute revelation. I mean, um, people hankered after Mitchell Dykes you know, in, in the summer. Mm -hmm. For me, he already looks a far better equipped championship player. Physically, he's more of a specimen, but I think going back to that, you were talking about out balls and perhaps getting the ball forward quicker. He seems a bit more willing to do that than anyone else, and even if it's brute force and actually running through people, and physically he's able to do that, he's quite willing to, to progress the play and to get it forward and, and to, to look to attack. Um, he can play, and he'll, he'll form part of a triangle to get the ball up the pitch as well mm. in, in tight spaces, so he's technically good. And, um, and also on, on last Saturday, the fantastic thing about having him at left back is Jimmy Husband can come on for the last ten minutes, and mm. all of a sudden he's a number ten. Mm. You know, he, he seems every bit what we were kind of sold. Quite often you you get these tales of oh we're signing this person, he's going to do the Fotheringham flick or whatever, and it all sounds like it's going to be one thing. But he genuinely does seem to be able to play in about six different positions. Mm. So okay, so we, we're agreeing that that the back five naturally is slots in. I think it gets a little bit more tricky, particularly in the centre of midfield. Um, Teddy has added some steel. Um, Rich, who would you have alongside him, or would you even contest that Alex Teddy should be straight in? Well, I think we need to look at this um, away. I think the best team has uh, Tribble, Tribble, um, and Teddy sitting in front of the defence. Um, at home, um, perhaps we could try just one, and that would be Tribble. Um, and that would then therefore give us a bit more option to have some more creative players on the pitch mm. as well. I don't know, but certainly away from him, I think he's he's pretty much set on trouble and um, and Teddy. So you're playing four five one away. I can well, I completely agree with that. I think you've got a home team and you've got an away team. Now away team is Tribal and Teddy, and our home team is Reed and Tribal. I love the way that Reed gets on the ball and looks to spread things and looks to to move the ball so quickly. Um, the Francis has been in the team as much as anyone really in, in midfield. Um, and I know that opinions are split in the room on that. Some 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 think he's pedestrian. Some think that he keeps the ball, um, and that obviously plays into what Fark life's all about. If we've got the ball, they can't score. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on Francis and whether he should keep walking into the team? So I'm a, a huge fan of Francis. I don't think yet he's hit the heights and. I can understand why the jury is still out on him, but I think to take the Bristol City game as an example where he was unfairly in my eyes criticised for his performance, when you look back at the highlights, 
every single chance we had in that game, Vranjic was central to it. There was the Jerome had two efforts first half, one from a little slider or pass from Vranjic, one from a little click ball. It was Vranjic who put Murphy through to square it to Stiepelman when he should have scored the open goal. And I think all of our best stuff goes through him. Yes, he occasionally gets caught on the ball, but I think the role he plays of getting the ball in tight spaces and looking to play those more difficult passes means that will happen, and I think it'll only get better. But are there any dissenting voices? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Andy makes a fair point, and, but my issue, and Andy and I have, have debated it quite a lot, um, is he's not a number 10, and I think that's, that's where we're playing him out of necessity. We're playing two defensive midfielders, um, and so we're going to play a fluid three in terms of an attacking midfield, and he isn't a 10, and we're playing him centrally as a 10. He's more of a number eight for me, so if we were going to play the original Park Life plan, if you like, in terms of um, 4-1-4-1, He's much better as an eight. I think he's very good technically at picking the ball up, playing you know decent passes into space, picking passes, spreading the play quite quickly. But what he doesn't do, he doesn't really seem to have an awful lot of urgency on the ball. And when you're hitting those final thirds and you're trying to catch defenders on the hop, he doesn't seem to want to do that. He wants to seem to retain possession. And I think to go back to a Pritchard or a Madison... They want to gamble. They want to get it into the winger quickly. They want to have a pot shot. He doesn't seem to want to do that at the moment. So there's a player in him. I think just technically he maybe needs to adapt. And potentially, physically, he's not really up to it at the moment. He looks like a bit of a streak of piss. I mean, it might be that he needs to spend some time in the gym um, and get used to the championship. He doesn't fancy the physical side. There were a yeah. couple of <coughs> couple of moments against Bristol City where... One was a header. He was waiting for it to come down, and the Bristol City player came over him and headed it. And had the audacity to yeah to go to the ball, and he looked a little bit startled by that. And there was another little bit of head tennis that that he didn't come out of very well in the middle there. So, but we've said it's a it's a project, and uh, as some of the new defenders have taken their time to get settled and have settled, I think he will. He's a good player, no doubt about that. And as Andrew said, um, he, he creates chances. He's, a, he's got vision he's like Wes in, in that way where he can pick a pass that perhaps other people haven't even thought about no one's like Wes, 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 Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see what you mean it says that he can pick a pass um, so my um, my dream home midfield for later in the season is to have Reed, um, Wes Madison and Pritchard and just sit back and just watch them all just go round and round in circles and triangles and and, and you know, muck about all, all, all in front of the... So fence. talk me through that again. You're going to have Reed, Wes, yeah. Pritchard. Yeah. Madison. I assume Oliveira. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> not yeah, yeah, and then Nelson up top. Well. Yeah, so where's yeah. the pace? That's what um, that is lacking. I you, completely agree if you that. Pick, if, you, if you pick... If those, if you played those four... I think we probably need to be three and up already, but if you played those four <laughs> behind Nelson... We would create and miss so many chances. Yeah. But I think that's what we did earlier in the season. We played this four-one-four-one, and you know we tried three at the back as well. And we had all of those creative midfielders in behind an Elson or a Jerome. Yeah. And we got picked apart fairly easily because we didn't have that defensive shield. Uh, even if you go back to the Fulham game, um, you know I only watched it on a dodgy stream. But so many times we got caught in midfield, we got caught in possession, and bang, it was a ball in behind us, and we couldn't hack it. So well, think, first half, second half though. Was uh, that was a real game of two halves in terms yeah. of our shape? So um, I was um, I loved that way day. Um, we had we were so patient for a very, it, was, it was if, if anything it was a great suggestion of the season really because we had to be really patient um, down that end waiting for the to finally suck that ball in at the end. Um, 
But second second half, we we were a lot more solid, and that was partly because of the changes he yeah. made. But um, it was also because Wes actually seemed to show a little bit more positional discipline second half than, than he has done previously. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was being tongue in cheek. You, you couldn't really go uh, um, go into a game like that. But it, it what I think we've come come to from a midfield point of view is listed a whole bunch of options which actually going back well can you remember the last time you could even have a discussion about mm. six or seven midfielders who actually come the time and place in the season you wouldn't be surprised to see them on the team mm. sheet and that's, that's not it. touching on Yannick who yeah 100% who, yeah, who has changed a couple of games this right year yeah he was terrific at Fulham and Murphy again yeah. I think we've talked about players who you, who you could argue and make a case for and they've all got their merits Madison has got to start for me mm. he that boy is the business and we should enjoy while we, while we can in my opinion um, so his name's on the team sheet for me every week um, who else can you say that about when he's back fit Pritchard will be another one I can, can you accommodate Madison and Pritchard in the same side what do you do when they're both well I think if you're at home and you only have one defensive midfielder mm. Madison's already played that role where he sits quite deep in midfield yeah. Yeah. and he can play that role he could he'll t- like Wes he'll take the ball in a tight space surrounded by players he will not lose the ball he will pass it to a yellow shirt and get you moving forward well, I think it's going to be a really interesting one though you touch on Madison and whether he should be first name on the team sheet and I agree perhaps behind tribal now he, he probably mm, yeah. is one of those ones that's completely at the fore of things um, but it's going to be really interesting because Clubs are going to scout us now. Clubs have seen that we're back in a run of form. Everyone will have seen his goal um, last night against Borough and they're going to know what he's all about. And I think that's the test for a young lad is when people know what he's all about. They know that he's probably going to look to turn quickly, pass the ball, you know, kind of knock it into a winger. Um, and people, are, I think they're probably going to come up against a couple of defensive midfielders who are just going to clatter him. And it's whether well, he... House enjoyed it last night, didn't he? Yeah. And but he, I think Housen's perhaps he, not the biggest... He's already been really. clattered. Start this. I can't remember which game it was now. But one of the one well, of the, the earlier the, home the, games. The, the pre-season friendly. The last pre-season friendly. He was on. He was on his ass for for nearly an hour because yeah. he was just being kicked up in the air. But he just got, he just gets up. Yeah. Has a moan maybe and gets on with it and gives a bit to the away fans, which is terrific. And yep. if anyone knows how Madison's going to play, it's going to be Housen. And played alongside him yeah. for the second half of last season. But I think you know there is going to be a test for him later in the season where his form perhaps dips. People have worked him out to an extent, and it's then we're going to see how good a player he is. And hopefully, and I'm confident like you, Rich, that I think he will be a top top player. Yeah. But I think it's just patient again with him this season, and people are starting to hype him up. And I'm you know I'm hearing other um, voices about you know really really bigging him up, and I'm just thinking right, we'll just let's just chill out because you yeah. know he's had four or five really good games for us. But I think he knows how good he is. Yeah. I think he's just that not arrogant he's just confident he knows what he can do he knows he can beat his man mm. he knows how he wants to play and he, at the age of what is he 20? 19? Yeah. 20? There's a bit of the Gazza about him really isn't yeah, it? Yeah exactly I'm not saying he's as good as Gazza but he's got that sort of cockiness and mm. confidence um, That's where the senior heads in the team are really important that, that's where we need to keep that balance of, of keeping some of the, the veterans in the team to keep his feet on the ground and, and he will have seen Jacob's move um, Jacob's money and um, realistically he'll be targeting to be in the Premier League within two years and I think he, he probably you know injury allowing he probably will be with Norwich well hopefully with <laughs> yeah. Norwich but there, you know, there's a couple of players we've got who, who it's been clear in the past like like um, Redders etc you think you're you're going to be in the Premier League it's mm. going to be with us like, likewise Snodgrass you're not coming down with us you know you clear, clearly you are a Premier League level footballer and um, like you say we need to enjoy while he's there we just hope that you know he 
Farker can find a way to, to work him in because Pritchard's going to get really fed up if he's not involved in it. He'll be in. And you, you do need to find a way. I mean, personally, I I haven't enjoyed seeing Madison deeper when he has played there. I, I don't think that's... I think he probably can play there because he's got the ability, but I don't think that that's getting the best out of him. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a headache, but hey... <laughs> After the Millwall game, none of us would have thought we had a selection headache. It was yeah. a case of how you're going to field an 11, let alone we've got seven, eight brilliant midfielders that we've all just mentioned. Or I say brilliant, they're in form at the moment. You know, come January's pod, we might not be quite so positive. Well, we, we started this by saying, does Farker know his best 11? And we established that Farker might not know his best 11. We don't know we Farker's don't know best 11. Yeah. And there possibly isn't the best 11. And it is very much kind of horses for courses this season. And yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a squad game, especially in the championship, especially with, with you know playing Saturday, Tuesday so regularly. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to say. Yeah, and how, like, it's, 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 we've got a very tight squad now. It's not big like it was. Mm. They've all Relative. got a chance. They're all snapping around the edges of the squad if they're not playing. Um, husband came in last night and had an excellent game against a very good opponent. Trial race, mustard. Um, he did skin him a couple of times, but I mean that's not a bad return playing against him for that long. So he's come in and done well. Um, Steepman obviously took over from, from husband and husband had that shaky start and has settled in as we've already said. So you've got good competition there. Right back though, we've only got Pinto, that worries me. Russ? Oh, Russ, you've got Russ and you've potentially got Yannick. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not I, convinced. He's more of a wing not, back, Yannick, isn't he? I'm not sure about Pinto, you know. I, pitch war, yellow army, all the rest of it. He, for me, he is. Um, seems like a lovely lad and he seems like a character but he can't defend do you know what though on that point because I I have been quite um, critical of Pinto and his defending probably for the last 12 months and actually everyone loves him because he's really good on Photoshop and you know all his hashtags and you know all the rest of it and, and going forward he is a fine player you know there's no doubt about that his commitment is 100% every game you know he's up for it but since he's had the captain's armband well one we're unbeaten but two, he seems to be taking a lot more defensive responsibility. And whether that's Farker's coaching, whether that, but positionally he seems a bit more aware. And if you analyse it, you know, with fullbacks tucking in when, when the opposition midfield tuck in, I think he's probably listening to his coaches. And that, that's really, really good. So I'd, I'd love to have a go at Pinto just because I like to, to go against the, um, the popular opinion sometimes. But I think he's been really, really good, especially Bristol City. I thought he it was probably defensively his best game that he's had for us. I agree on the captaincy. I think that was a. A really good decision that I didn't see coming. I think mm. you could have said before they gave him the armband, who's the who's the next natural <laughs> captain if it's not Russ? Yeah. Pinto wouldn't have been high up that list. I, yeah, I actually it's been a really good. Decision. I heard an interesting suggestion that actually that was a, a shrewd move by the coaching staff um, to give Pinto the cut the armband, and it was along the lines of trying to cut down on the going down after a little bit of a touch and rolling around on the floor because that was embarrassing some of the other players and not a good look. Um, there's a positional awareness to make to try and enforce on him that he is a defender first mm. and foremost, and that's what that, that's what he needs to do, uh, and also for him to try and strengthen up a bit and try and play a bit more aggressively, which I think against Bristol City he did do. Um, so yeah, I, I think it wasn't just a case of I need someone along the back four and the central defences basically a revolving door or ha- had been until the last yeah. few yeah. few weeks. So so I think it's some interesting points. So that that kind of brings us on to the next thing we were going to discuss, which is of of the the new signings, and we've mentioned pretty much all of them other than Frankie, who's out in the cold now. Um, who would you say has been our finest new signing so far of this, this most recent window? Tommy, isn't it? Tommy Dribble. <laughs> you like calling him Tommy Dribble, don't you? Yeah. 
That's how you say it. Sure, he won't mind. And he's went much further than Tom Schreiber at the moment, can he? Like, it's Trouble. The way trouble. he's... It's, it's, that is the correct pronunciation. I had Trouble. Trouble, Trouble. T-T. Trouble. I'm from... That's so Southern. Tommy. Southern. We'll go with Tommy. In Southern Germany, it's Trouble. Okay. But so Tommy. You can't look a lot further at the moment, just purely because he came in from nowhere and has added steel and ability in the central of the field. He looks so confident whenever he's on the ball. Um, I would like to give us an honourable mention for Steeperman though. Yeah, simply I'd agree because with that. we do have other def- midfielders who can play well, and Harrison Reed I don't think is too far behind Tribbly Tribbly Tommy um, in terms of how good he has been. But Steeperman solved a problem that has been a problem since Olsen left. You know, mm. we have not had a decent left back there. Russ has oh, played there a bit. Olsen. People have shifted. On. Well, I know, but but at least Olsen did did have some good performances, and he's an actual left back in the yeah, yeah. And yes, James Hosman did look. You know, wobbly at times, although he has looked better recently. Steedman seems to, to have been, again, because of the different positions he plays in. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying on Tommy, but I, I, I would say special mention for Definitely. Uh, a merit award uh, and, for Steedman. And Zimmerman as well, because he came in from the fourth tier in Germany, and the, at the time he signed him, it, it was. One for the future. It was, well, it was almost said he's a, he's a backup. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a, a reserve fodder. Um, he won't be our main, one of our main centre backs, but uh, he is at the moment. And uh, there's, we signed Grant Hanley uh, for a large sum for us and on big wages for us, by the accounts. And he's keeping him out of the side. Mm. Well, and then you can also add to that if you're doing special mentions. Angus Gunn surely deserves a absolutely mention for the first yeah. goalkeeper in the history to keep five clean sheets. And I would also say Vrancic as well. He may not be just He may not be the pick of but, but <clears throat> I can completely understand that all the people we've mentioned are above Vrancic in this, but Vrancic has already won us points this season with a yeah. ball that he played through to Nelson. To Nelson for the first goal in the QPR game mm-hmm. and he will do again this season. Vrancic will win us points. Okay. So the final thing we're gonna try and go through this evening uh, is the Long Come Norwich quiz. The way it works is quite simple. Each member of the pod team who are assembled tonight will try to answer six Norwich City themed questions. You have got a minute to answer those questions. Uh, I will ask you the next one when you get one incorrect. You can of course pass. It's whoever gets the most correct within uh, the minute's time and then there'll be a tiebreaker should that be equal. Feel free to play along at home. Off we go. We're going to start off with Rich, timekeeper Andy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Please give us a nice clear time up or some similar kind of uh, indication that time is over. And Rich, your time starts now. Who started in centre midfield alongside Bradley Johnson in the first game of the 2014-15 season? Pass. <laughs> Who was sent off in Alan Irvine's first match as caretaker boss? Richard. Incorrect. Who finished top scorer in the last Premier League season Norwich contended? Pass. <laughs> Against which team did Norwich record their biggest home league attendance? Uh, Leicester City in the FA Cup. It was the FA Cup, not the league. Correct, well done. I shouldn't have freestyled on the question. Who holds the record for the most league appearances for the club? Uh, it is Alcock. Incorrect. What fee did we sign Gary Hooper for? Four million. Incorrect. Who started alongside Bradley Johnson in 2014-15 first game? Johnny Housen. Incorrect. Who was sent off in Adam Urban's first match as caretaker boss? Russell Martin. Who finished top scorer in the last Premier League season Norwich contended? Snodgrass. 
Who holds the record for the most <laughs> league appearances? Time. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you the answers uh, to, to, to the ones that you didn't get. You got one. That's good. Um, I'm going to take a part of the I'm actually going to give you one and a half, okay. which could become our tiebreaker because I, I thought I would elaborate on the question, which I shouldn't do in a times quiz. Um, and you're right, it was FA Cup round six. Um, okay, so the start of the 2014-15 season, Bradley Johnson started alongside Andrew Sermon. Oh, yeah. It was Mitchell Dykes, who we've already spoken about, who oh, was sent off in Alan Irvin's first match as caretaker boss. They all booed as he obviously bought one of the fenders. That's right. Um, took off a striker. Who finished top scorer in our last Premier League season? Our favourite, Drew Mercy and McCartney. Cool. Joined and got seven goals seven. Against which team did Norwich record the biggest home attendance was Leicester as you got 43,984 that would have been a big bonus point Who holds the record for the most league appearances Ron Ashman and what fee did we sign Gary Fatboy Hooper for five million pies wow. so, uh, You scored 1.5 Okay John Where did you get the half from? Uh, because I incorrectly asked him a question and he, he still managed to provide me the answer. Nice one. And he did only get nice. one. Well so, <laughs> John, it is your turn to take on this week's quiz. Are you ready? Ready. Your time starts now. Who played alongside Russell Martin in central defence in the last game of the 2014-15 season? Tim Closer. Incorrect. Who was sent off in Alex Neal's first game after being appointed manager? This is an easy. He's getting all the easy questions. Only easy if you know him, Rich. Oh, I was there, I was there. You can pass, remember? Yeah, pass. Name one of two joint top scorers in the previous Premier League relegation season, 13-14. Snodgrass. Correct. Against whom did we notch our biggest ever gate receipts? At home. Manchester United. Who is Norwich City's most internationally capped player? That's a good question. That's a very good question. It's even better if you know the answer. Pass. Have I got any more questions? Yeah. What fee did we sign Nathan Redmond for? 2.5? 2.75? Incorrect. Uh, who played alongside Russell Martin last game 2014-15? Pass. Sorry. That was awful. So is that, is that zero? It was zero. One. Right? One. You got one. You got yeah, one. come on. You're not even <coughs> taking oh, the score. That's because I'm really concentrating on the question. It's less than 1.5. Okay, yeah. it is less than 1.5. Um, so Russell Martin really was alongside Seb Besson. Who was sent off? You said that was an easy one, Rich. He was sent off in Alex Neal's John Housen. Correct. And um, that was when he left the director's box and went down to the pitch side to cheer them up. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, it was. Uh, you could have also had Gary Hooper, who also got six goals along with brought Snodgrass that season. Uh, Inter Milan. We got nearly two hundred and fifty grand for that game. Um, Norwich City's most internationally capped player is. Martin Peters. I thought you were going to get it right then. Mark Bowen. Oh. And we signed Nathan Redmond for 3.2 million. No, I'm all, not having that. All stats are right as per soccer base, so don't bother tweeting me about it. Is that most capped international player who gained the caps whilst playing for us? Or oh. had all loads of caps? I think it's as a Norwich City player. Um, so he thinks. He thinks. Yeah, no, he, no, I didn't even answer the question. No, no, He's as as a Norwich City player. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter because, like you say, you're already beating him. So you need you need a mighty two out of six, Andy, in order to take this week's prize, uh, which is me saying well done. So are you ready? The time starts now. Two defenders played in all four derbies against Ipswich in the 2014 season. Russell Martin and Sebastian Bazon. 
Who was sent off in a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace on New Year's Day 2014? Pass. Who was our Premier League joint top goalscorer alongside Leon McKenzie and Dean Ashton under Nigel Worthington? Paul McVeigh. Incorrect. Which club inflicted our heaviest ever league defeat? Uh, Coventry. Incorrect. Who is Norwich City's all-time total league goals scorer? Um, you're not. What fee did we sign Martin Olsen for? Five million? No. Uh, two defenders playing all four derbies against Ipswich. Uh, was it Russell Martin and who? Uh, Tim Kleiser. No. Uh, who was sent off in a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace on New Year's Day 2014? One of the hearts looking good at the moment. Yeah, I think you're in, man. No clues. Uh, seven song. No. Who is our Premier League top, joint top score scorer alongside Leon McKenzie? David Francis. He's correct. <laughs> Which club inflicted our oh, time, 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 time. <laughs> So, uh, I think that was one. I think we might. I think have you to said what my score was. Two next time. Um, so two defenders rubbish. played in all four derbies. Whitaker. You named two. A couple of people who didn't even play for his club at the time. Yeah. It was Stephen Whitaker. Third time lucky. Played that lovely ball through. Yeah. Oh, that was in. Oh, sorry, that was against Middlesbrough in the, in the playoff final. But you know what I mean. Um, Leroy Fur got sent off against Crystal Palace New Year's Day. Quite a memorable one. Horrible mm-hmm. tackle. Um, you got Damien Francis, who top scored with six or seven or something rubbish. Um, the club that inflicted our heaviest ever the league. I think you went for our greatest ever win against Coventry. The ten two. The ten two Swindon who beat us. But Coventry was about eight something. I think we won. Um, obviously, the, the the biggest one overall was the Sutton one, wasn't it? In the cup, the yeah. biggest one. Uh, Johnny Gavin, 122 goals. He was our all-time leader, and 2.5 million for Martin Olsen, apparently. So, congratulations to Rich, and that pretty much wraps things up. Please get in touch with us via Twitter and let us know if you ever want us to do another podcast or sell all the microphones on eBay and stop going to the games. Thank you very much. I've been Tom and from Andrew and John and Mitch. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.